Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 376 and session number 116 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. I do it every single Friday, and I am pumped to be here with you once again. And I've got a few questions that I'm going to answer today, and those are really about, I'll just kind of give you guys like a little heads up, promotional placement. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about managing your Amazon business, and we're also going to talk again about UPCs, FNSQs, all those numbers that could be confusing, and who's supposed to do what, and what ones are we supposed to be buying, and all of that stuff. So we're going to talk about all of those today, and before I did jump in, though, I wanted to do a couple things. Number one, I want to thank you for being a listener. You guys are awesome, and the more that I get to meet you guys in person, and I've done this many times now when we have these unofficial meetups and, and all of that stuff, and I just really, really love spending time with you, but I also want to let you guys know that it means a ton to me that you guys are listeners and that you guys send me emails or post on Facebook or whether I meet you in person, you tell me your story. I want to hear your stories. So I'm going to give you guys a way that you can do that. You can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash action. Okay, just go to that link. There'll be a little voice recorder there and just record me a short little message. Maybe your first name, where you're tuning in from, and then just a little bit about your journey so far and maybe how the podcast has played a little bit of a role in that. I would love to hear your story. The other thing that you can do is if you want to ask a question and have me maybe answer it here on an upcoming show, all you have to do is head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. And uh, yeah, you can ask a question there as well. And a lot of you have already been doing that. And I want to just say also be patient because I do get a lot of questions, but I will try to answer each and every one on an upcoming episode. All right. Now, this episode is 376. So the link to grab the, the show notes, the transcripts, all that good stuff is over at theamazingseller.com forward slash 376. Now, you guys know on Fridays, I like to give you guys like what's been on my mind or what's kind of going through my head. And one very simple thing that I want to say here that hopefully will sink in and also allow you to not get overwhelmed or when you're starting to feel overwhelmed, think about this right here. And what this is, it's really simple and I'm sure you've heard it before, but I think you might need to write this one down. One bite at a time, okay? You can't, you can't go out there and expect to understand everything. You hear me talking about launching a product. You talk, you know, I talk about building a list. I talk about funnels. I talk about, you know, marketing. I talk about like uh, maybe sourcing or, or whatever, right? It seems like there's a lot of stuff and it, it might feel like I'm spraying you in the face with a, with a garden hose or a, a fire hose, okay? And I understand that. I'm trying to help everyone at different parts of their business, but that does not mean you have to do everything right now. You know, I just had, uh, it was funny, we did a Facebook Live the other day and uh, Dom Sugar had a little meetup in Canada and some people came out and they go, you know, Dom, I just, you know, there's so much information. I'm just not sure what to do during this launch. And I know Scott talks about building an email list and then we talk about pay-per-click and we talk about all this stuff. And, you know, we kind of went over that on Friday or on a Facebook Live, it was on a Friday, and we basically just said, listen, it doesn't mean you have to do it all. It means that you need to mix it up or you need to do one thing at a time. Try one thing. Right? If you're if you're in the product selection phase, that's where you need to be. That's where you spend your time. Don't start thinking about launching right now. Just think about the product, the criteria, all the things that go into that phase. You guys know I always break it down into phases, right? So that's what you want to do, one bite at a time. No one expects you to do everything at once, and you're not going to know everything at once. You're not supposed to. 
All right, so one bite at a time, okay? Slow down, take a breath, and see where you're at. And take that one bite at a time towards the thing that you're working on right now. Now, one last thing before we do jump into today's questions. I want to give a shout out. I want to give a little Facebook love to uh, to our amazing TASers out there. You guys are awesome. Community is growing. The community is just even better than ever. I mean, there's so many people are being so helpful. And I want to give a little shout out. And I want to give a little high five to Greg Hats. Okay, so Greg, I want to say thank you so much for posting this, and this was a little win that he was able to celebrate, and I always tell you guys, it's not about the big, big, gigantic wins, it's about those little wins, because they build over time, and they compound on each other, okay, but Greg posts here, little screenshot, $160 in sales today, and then 10 units sold so far today, and he's got the last seven days, $463, little screenshot there, and, uh, and he writes, Been at it for about a month now with my first product. Finally hitting 10 units per day. This stuff really works. Thanks, Scott. And of course, I jumped in there and said, awesome, high fives, right? Because that's what we need, guys. We need to understand that it's not going to all happen overnight. And the thing is, is Greg is getting results because he did something. I, I say this over and over again, right? We can learn this stuff, we can consume it, we can sit there and think about it, and what if this happens, and what if that, but you won't know until you actually do something. You will never get a result. So I'm not saying go out there and be hasty and you know go out there and rush things, but I'm saying until you actually do something, you can't judge on what you're doing or, or you can't base any decisions until after you've done something and you gotta kinda, you know, you gotta kinda work yourself through it. You can start small still, but you gotta start somewhere. And I just wanna, again, just say, awesome job, Greg, and everyone else out there that has some small wins right now, celebrate them. High five each other, like post that in the group, all right? I think that that support around you is so important, the mindset is so important, and this stuff right here, can fuel you and motivate you to keep going, all right? So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and uh, let's get get rocking and rolling here. I am so fired up today. I can't wait to jump into today's question. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and listen to today's first question, and I'll give you my answer. Let's do this. Hi, Scott. My name is Brian. I had a question in regards to promotion. So if your product was, say, 60% off, are you allowed to put a bullet... um, just stating that your product is 60% off for a limited time. Um, not in the title, it would be in the bullets. I just didn't know if that was against the terms of service. Would love to hear from you. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for the question. And this is a great question. Now, I've seen some people put in the in the first bullet, they'll put like 50% off, Mother's Day special and stuff. Not supposed to do that. Okay, that is against terms of service. There's no promotional material supposed to go inside of those bullets. The bullets are meant for benefits and features. And some could say, well, it's a benefit that they're going to save some money to you, maybe, but not to Amazon. Amazon wants those to just be information about the product, benefits, features, use it for those spots. Now, the one cool thing that Amazon does now is when you put something in your promotional area, there's actually a little spot there that goes up top now just below the price. So that's kind of new. So that's really a great spot to put something like buy one, get one 50% off, or maybe it is 20% off or whatever it is, right? You can have your little promotional thing there and it's in, it's blue. Uh, it's in a nice blue color and, and it's very noticeable. So I wouldn't worry about putting it in my bullet. I would rather put it there anyway in the promotional area. So use the promotional tab, 
use the promotional area, run those things, because I'm telling you that can uh, increase the amount of sales that you get from that one customer. We can increase the size of the cart if it's a good deal. You can even cross promote in there because it could be like, buy one of this, get you know 25% off of other products or whatever, right? And then they would click to see the details and then it would show the details. So that's one way. There's another way that you could do it. Now, again, this is riding the line a little bit. It's it's probably, I'm not gonna say it's gray, but it's, it's not 100% white, let's call it that. White hat, gray hat, black hat, right? Um, so you can put something in uh, your images that could then let them know about something. Now, technically, you're not supposed to put promotional stuff in there as well, but I don't see a big issue in that. I don't think it should be like obnoxious, but you could technically direct people to where they should be looking, right? And maybe it's not going to be, maybe it could be an image with your product being used and stuff, and then like a little footer banner uh, could say something like, check out our promotional area for for uh, monthly deals or something like that. Um, I don't personally have a problem with that, but again, use your own judgment. If you looked at the terms of service, there's probably gonna be in there something that states, you know, 100% like product-based whatever. Um, but me personally, I don't think that's that big of a deal. I'm giving them more information about the product and I'm also then just throwing that in there. Now, this is not on the main image, okay? Nothing like this would go on the main image. That is completely against terms of service. So that is no, no. We do not wanna do that. Anything additional, as far as those additional images, you can put other things in there. Uh, you can put badges, you can put um, people, you can put lifestyle shots, you can do all that stuff. Uh, so that stuff is definitely okay, at least as of right now that I'm recording this episode, all right? So be careful. I would be careful of putting stuff in the in the, uh, in the the bullets. I would be careful of putting it in the description. Uh, and I would just put them in the areas that they allow us to put them in, which is definitely in the promotionals area. That's what they want that area for. So that's what I would do. And uh, yeah, I think that you'll do well with that. And I think the other thing to note here is if you are going to do something, do something really valuable so people want to actually do it, not like 5% off your next purchase. Like, eh, that's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like 10% minimum, I think. I think even more, but 10% minimum is what I would probably do. All right, so hopefully this answered your question. Let's go ahead and listen to today's next question, and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. Greg here from Grand Junction, Colorado. I have a quick question for you. We're about to launch our first product, and I've been hearing a lot lately that Amazon is taking more and more time for people to basically manage their product, manage their inventory. And what I'm afraid of is we'd like to eventually get two, maybe even three products out there. But what I don't want to see happen is this one product end up taking 30, 40 hours a week of our time. So would you have any recommendations for leveraging other programs or systems or maybe hiring an ISA or even a family member to manage inventory, orders, follow-up, that sort of thing. I'd appreciate your feedback on that and your advice. Thanks, Scott. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for the question. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about the time it takes to run an Amazon business or an e-commerce business in general. And I think it's going to be different for everyone, but let's just kind of focus on Amazon as a channel right now. I mean, if it was eBay, it would be an eBay channel, it would be Etsy, or maybe it's going to be all of those channels. But right now, I'm not really sure 
I'm not really sure I'm understanding what you're saying because you're making it sound like people are saying that it's really hard to manage like your inventory and, and it's hard to maybe manage your pay-per-click and, and maybe I, like, I don't know where that time that they're saying and, and Amazon is not good about the, you know, the management of it and stuff, or maybe the reporting is behind. Maybe that's what you're saying. Let me just kind of say this. Okay. And I'm not, maybe this will clear it up for you. I don't think it's that complicated to run your Amazon business, especially if you want to utilize a tool or two, all right? Uh, now, I think, I mean, for the longest time, I was using a spreadsheet, right? The inventory levels are going to be pretty much accurate with inside of, of Amazon. I mean, now, has there been times that they've been off a little bit? Yes. You have to understand that they have, you know, you'll see the breakdown. It'll say some are in reserve. In reserve means that they're either being transported to another warehouse or they're sold, and they're reserving them so that way they don't get sold. So, but that stuff's almost real time in a sense. I mean, it's it's no more than, you know, eight, 10 hours behind, let's say that. So you're still going to be there. So I'm not really sure I understand that. Now, when it comes to like bookkeeping or accounting or any of that stuff, uh, that can be a little bit of time consuming if you don't have a tool that allows you to see how many units are sold, your cost of goods, you know, because you got to take that off. And, and that was one thing that Josh Bowerly, um, you know, the guy that I've had come on the CPA, uh, you know, he's he's come on the show. He's actually going to come back on the show here soon again, kind of give us some updates on what's been happening with, uh, you know, tax stuff and all that stuff. But the one big mistake that people don't do is they don't they don't allow for the cost of goods or I shouldn't say they don't allow they they want to take the uh, the money that they've spent on inventory and immediately deduct that off and you can't do that you have to actually uh, you can only deduct the cost of goods after it's been sold so uh, you, you definitely want to make sure that you're clear on that but if you have a tool it'll allow you to see this and I got to be honest I just started using Fetcher about probably three no maybe four months ago and what's really cool with Fetcher is I'm able to load in all of my different brands that I'm working with. Okay. And I can, with a click of a button, I can go in and switch to a different brand. So I can house more than more than one brand under this one account. But what's really cool about it is I was always taking after each month and I would break down like how many units sold. And then I would figure I would have a spreadsheet that said how much the, those, you know, cost me. And then I would, you know, pencil that in. And then we would pencil in cost, you know, uh, is for pay-per-click, then we would do Amazon fees, and then you would do all that stuff, and then at the end, you'd come up with your, you know, your uh, your profit, your net. Uh, with Vetcher, uh, I just did it actually um, this morning, I actually had to do it for quarterly taxes, and I went in, and with literally a click of a button to set the time frame parameters, I had all the data right there. I had all my inventory levels, I had, you know, how much that, that cost me, I had right down to the, the last line item, and it all did it for me. All I had to do is set it up in the beginning by just saying how much my cost of goods were, and it did all the other work for me. I, I was even able to put in monthly expenses for tools that I'm using for those businesses, and it automatically just triggers those every single month. So I would say on an accounting side of things, that's where it can become time consuming, but if you use a tool like Fetcher, I've mentioned Fetcher before. Uh, you guys know that I'm an affiliate for them. If you guys want to go through my link, buy me a cup of coffee, and also get a nice 30-day free trial, go ahead and head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash Fetcher. 
It's very affordable too, by the way. Um, it's really affordable. I mean, if you're even thinking about like QuickBooks or any of that stuff, so much more affordable. Um, so definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, I would definitely say that's going to make things a lot easier on that part of it. As far as inventory levels, it will show you that. It's not an inventory tracking tool, which will kind of give you projections, but it will help you by seeing like what your average per sale are, or your average sales per day are, how many units you still have left in stock and all that stuff. But that stuff isn't going to take you that long, especially if you only have a handful of products. If you only have one or two products, nothing. If it's if you have more than 10, that's where it can, when it can get a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more time consuming. But I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're talking about pay-per-click, again, that can be time consuming, but now there's tools out there. And again, I don't want to just keep pushing tools on you guys, but if you're at that point where you want to take, you know, kind of like, you know, have someone else kind of take care of this for you, you can have a tool that kind of monitors that for you and does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Um, we use Ignite. Uh, and again, guys, I'm not pushing links on you guys here. Um, there's free training on pay-per-click and how to manage it and all that stuff and, and how to set up these campaigns in the beginning. A free resource, um, theamazingseller.com forward slash PPC. Go check that out um, before you even do sign up for anything like Ignite or anything because you can do this by hand. It's just going to be more, that's going to be more time consuming too. You can spend an hour or two a day in your pay-per-click or more um, if you want to just keep refining and kind of keep digging through all of your reports. Uh, but again, I'm not really sure I'm seeing what the, I mean, if it's product research, I mean, yeah, that's going to take time. That's going to be your time. You can train someone, you can hire a VA to do that and then bring you back all the top results. So there's always ways I think to lessen the load, but in the beginning, it's really just going to be you kind of getting your hands in there and, and starting to, to do the different pieces to it. But I mean, once you get things up and running, there's not really a lot of day to day stuff that you have to do. It's funny, I talked to John Lee Dumas from EO Fire and we were talking about, you know, he's got two books, uh, they're journals that sell on Amazon right now and he spends maybe only like two to three hours a month on monitoring that and he's doing over $30,000 a month. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to. Now, I also talked to him, I'm like, well, you probably should be doing a little bit more than that and he laughed and uh, because he could be getting more, more sales, more results and stuff if he focused a little bit more on that. So we may be playing around with that here in the future with him, but just saying, it doesn't have to be a ton of time. So I'm not really sure if I understand where you're coming from, or maybe you're just hearing that, and I'm not sure where you're hearing that, because most people, once they get things up and running, not that much to manage. All right, so hopefully this helped you, or anyone else out there thinking to themselves, this is going to be a beast to manage. It really doesn't have to be. All right, guys, let's go ahead and listen to one more question for today. We'll go ahead and answer that. We'll wrap this baby up and let you guys kick off the weekend. What do you say? Let's do this. My name is Chaz, and I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. First off, I love the podcast, Scott. I've tried listening to other Amazon podcasts, and it's just not the same. There is no comparison. So I'm a full-time college student, and after listening to your podcast and your webinars and tips and uh, other things, but most of all, taking action, I'm itching to graduate so that I can spend even more time with my little Amazon project. Um, I also listen to your podcast at my J-O-B and... I gotta tell you, I can't wait to quit that thing. So I have two questions. I set up a brand new UPC code for a product that I'm selling. And just so you're aware, I made a GTIN UPC code. I don't know if you needed that. Um, but <clears throat> my first question is, when I'm setting up the barcode, there's two options. UPC-A and GS1 database stacked omnidirectional. 
Which one does Amazon prefer, if any? And my second question is, how does labeling work? Uh, if I have my own UPC code, do I need an FNSKU? Um, do I just send over a PDF to my supplier of the UPC and barcode and do they print it directly on the box or do they print it on the pallet or how does that work exactly? Um, and also, is there normally any extra charge to do that? Um, anyway, thanks for any help you can give, uh, even if it's just pointing me in the right direction to do my own research. I've had no issue taking action despite being a full-time student with a full-time job. It's just too darn exciting. But thanks again, Scott. Hey, Chaz, thank you so much for the question. College kid too, man. Love it. Out there hustling, getting things done, fired up about being an entrepreneur. I love it. Absolutely love it. So thank you for being a listener, by the way. Thank you so much for uh, for uh, just getting out there and doing something, and especially while you're going through school. I mean, that's crazy. Like people say, I don't have time. You don't really have a lot of time either if you're in college doing all the homework and probably working a job too. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on in your world. I know that. So uh, yeah, hats off to you, man, and high five. Uh, okay, so um, to, to answer the question here, we're back on the UPC, FNSQ, GS1, all of these different terms and, and language that we kind of throw around here. Here's the deal. All right, let's talk about UPC codes first. Okay, w bottom line, we need a UPC code as of right now to create a listing, okay? That's one thing. And you probably already know that, but anyone else listening that's brand new doesn't know that. You need a UPC code, whether you print it on your box or not, or you use a sticker, doesn't matter. You need that when you set up your listing, okay? So to create a listing, you have to have a, a unique UPC code. Now, what do I mean by unique? Well, recently, Amazon announced we only want GS1 UPC codes for products, okay? Now, what they mean by that or what they meant by that is they need to be purchased through GS1 or registered in GS1's database, okay? Now, if someone was a third-party reseller, as long as they purchase them through GS1 and as long as they are in GS1's database, then you're good, okay? Then, then you're fine. But if you purchase one from a third party and they are not purchased through GS1, you could have an issue, okay? Now, I only have one other resource besides GS1 that I go to, okay? And that is Snap UPC, okay? And I have them on my resources page. You guys can check out the resources page, theamazingseller.com forward slash resources. Now, if you're at all thinking to yourself that you do not want to take a risk, Okay, and I, I don't think it's a risk because if you tried to put that, that uh, UPC code in as you're registering your product, it's going to come back and, and it's not going to work. Okay, so you're going to know and then you would have to go back to the company you bought it from and then you would say, listen, it's not working. I've got to issue me a new one. But if you don't want to go through that, if you just want to go directly to GS1, then go to their website, purchase. They have a standard, I think right now it's 250 bucks and that gives you up to 10 UPC codes. Not that expensive, okay? So just maybe maybe if you want to cut through it, go right there, okay? And just make, and that way there you know that you're getting the right code, okay? Now, let's answer the second part of this. UPC code, FNSQ number. FNSQ or 
how are you, FNSSKU, uh, however, yeah, everyone says it differently. It's the FNSQ number, the one that the one that uh, Amazon puts on their packaging. It's really their, their unique code. Now, if you're brand registered or you've been selling for a long time and you're brand registered and you're kind of grandfathered in, depending on the level of seller that you are, you may just be able to use the UPC code and bypass the FNSQ number, okay? But for most people that are just starting out, you are going to have to have the FNSQ number that they provide you on your box. Now, if you don't want to print that FNSQ number on your box or on your packaging, you can have Amazon do it. Amazon's going to charge you 20 cents to do it. I've done it that way in the beginning. It works. It costs you 20 cents extra per unit. So in the beginning, if it's easier, have them do it. If you can have your manufacturer printed on there, you're going to save 20 cents on each unit that you sell. Okay. So again, not really that complicated, but understand that you will most likely need the FNSQ number. So Scott, where do you get the FNSQ number? It might be what you're asking yourself. You get that right in your listing as far as when you start to get ready to sell it. Okay. When you're going to, when you're going to say that I have inventory in there, there's going to be a little drop down menu that says FNSQ number. And then from there, you can go ahead and grab that number. Okay, it'll be right next to it. Um, if you go in your back, it's hard to explain in audio, but if you just go into your back end, into that listing, and then you go as if you're going to send an inventory, it's going to bring you through that process. You'll see the FNSQ number right there, okay? And, uh, and then from there, you'll have it. Now, you may not have the barcode, okay? So then you can go to a website, and you can type in that number, in, and then they'll generate the code for you. Or what I've done is I will act as though I'm going to uh, complete a full order, and then I will say that I'm going to print the labels myself. And then I will just spit out a PDF. And then I'll just take a screen grab of the FNSQ number and I'll use that as my image. And then I'll send that off to my manufacturer. So there's a whole bunch of different ways you can do it. But just understand you need more than just the, the number. You need the actual barcode, okay, on the box because they're going to scan that. They're going to actually take that and they're going to put it over any UPC number or any other number that's on that box. So if you're creating your own packaging, it would only have your FNSQ number on there. Or again, like I said, if you want to, if you want to make it even simpler, just pay them 20 cents as you're going through the, the process of sending an inventory. They're going to ask you, are you going to label it or are we going to label it? And then you'll say, you know, I'm going to label it, meaning, you know, yourself. And then they'll say, okay. And then as long as you send it in with an FNSQ number, you're good. If you say, no, I want you to do it, then they're going to basically charge you 20 cents. And then when it comes in, they're going to slap an FNSQ number on the package. Okay. Easy peasy, not that big of a deal. I know a lot of people get hung up with all these numbers and, you know, what number do I need? You hear, we're hearing BSR, we're hearing, you know, we're hearing FNSQ, we're hearing UPC, we're hearing all GS1, uh, all of these different numbers. Um, don't overcomplicate this process, okay? It's not that difficult. All right, guys. So I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Again, I want to thank all of our TASers out there, all of our loyal listeners, our followers, and everyone that's out there helping inside of our Facebook community as well. If you guys are not part of that community, I urge you to go over there, request to join. It's totally free. You'll be surrounded with a whole bunch of other TASers, and you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F is in Frank, B is in boy, and request to join, and uh, you'll get you'll get approved 
really quickly actually, probably within a couple of hours. And then from there you can go in and you can dig around and you can see what people are talking about. You can ask questions, you can look through the search area. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, resources there and some really awesome people. All right, so guys, that is gonna wrap it up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you, I believe in you, and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, guys, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.